It's time to get in the zone. The Fantasy Football Zone. Hey guys, where else would you rather be? Get involved with the show by following us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. Want a piece of that championship? Put it in here. This is the Fantasy Football Zone. Welcome back into the Fantasy Football Zone. I'm PJ. Thanks again for spending some time and checking us out. Hopefully week eight went pretty good for you. If not, here we are, week nine. We'll get you ready. Rotowire.com's Joe Bartle will join us coming up in minutes. We'll recap everything week eight, the trade deadline. Basically, it kind of failed us. It was a letdown, but we'll get into that. And also our week nine matchups, we'll focus on those as well. Leaning off this week, want to get into some of those stats and records that could be broken this weekend. Some pretty interesting ones, in fact. We're going to start out with that game. It's a big one on Sunday night. New England taking on Baltimore. And Lamar Jackson, he can become the first quarterback to rush for at least 100 yards and a touchdown in back-to-back games in NFL history. He could join Michael Vick and Russell Wilson as the only quarterbacks to have three games with at least 100 rushing yards in a single NFL season. So that's an impressive record alone. Again, it's going to be tough against that pass defense that's been dominating all season long. But with just one rushing yard on Sunday night against New England, Jackson, who leads the NFL with the rushing average and leads all quarterbacks with 576 rushing yards, he would surpass Michael Vick for the most rushing yards by a quarterback through his team's first eight games of an NFL season. That's impressive because Vic in that 2006 season, he was running all over teams. So again, Lamar Jackson with just one rushing yard against New England. I like that to happen. Uh, he's going to be the all-time leader in that through the first eight games of the NFL season. Dak Prescott, uh, you know, sometimes a polarizing guy. Uh, he's been pretty good this year, but some people still don't believe in him. Well, since entering the league in 2016, he has recorded 15 games with both a passing touchdown and a rushing touchdown. That's the most in the league over that span. So with both a passing and rushing touchdown on Monday Night Football against the Giants, Prescott would tie Dante Culpepper for second most games with both a passing and rushing touchdown in a player's first four seasons in league history. If he could do that against the Giants, which it's a favorable matchup with that defense, yeah, he would be, and again, tied with Dante Culpepper for second all-time. He would be trailing Cam Newton, though, who holds the record with 24 games. What a tear Cam was on his first four years in the NFL. Carolina running back Christian McCaffrey back off the bye. He had 155 scrimmage yards against San Francisco in Week 8, his fifth game with at least 150 scrimmage yards in 2019. So with at least 150 scrimmage yards Sunday against Tennessee, McCaffrey would become the third player to have at least 150 scrimmage yards in six of his team's first eight games of an NFL season. The players with the most of those scrimmage yards right now, Jim Brown and Matt Forte. So he's got a chance to join that company coming up this Sunday. And you got to like the odds for McCaffrey against Tennessee. Tough defense. But again, it could be done coming up this Sunday for Christian McCaffrey. And will Buffalo running back Frank Gore, he ranks fifth in NFL history now in scrimmage yards and fourth in rushing yards. And just with 100 yards rushing on Sunday against Washington, which again, favorable matchup there, Gore could surpass Pro Football Hall of Famer Barry Sanders for third most rushing yards in NFL history. Think of that. Frank Gore, he could be the third leading rusher if he gets 100 yards on Sunday against Washington. Send your sit or start questions into the zone on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. This is the Fantasy Football Zone. And welcome back in Fantasy Football Zone. And once again, Joe Bartle joining us again from rotowire.com. Joe, good to have you back in here. Yeah, uh, excited to talk some fantasy football today. 
First off, I want to talk about the NFL trade deadline. It comes, it goes. We thought some big names were going to be on the move. Well, we uh, were fooled, I guess. Kenyon Drake, he went to the Arizona Cardinals the day before the deadline. Of course, he had the Emmanuel Sanders trade along with Mohamed Sanu. Those were basically the big names, and that was it for this trade deadline. Yeah, it was the ultimate tease, right? You hear the Le'Veon Bell and Robbie Anderson of the world, and A.J. Green still get moved, and then you throw in some of those, the safeties like Jamal Adams. Like, oh, man, this is... This is going to be awesome. It's just like baseball and NBA, and none of that happened whatsoever. In fact, we moved our podcast, which we normally do on Tuesdays, my co-host and I, Jake Petarski, breaking down free agent action. And, and frankly, there isn't a lot of free agents that were really worth discussing. So we're like, this is perfect. We'll be able to get some more content for the trade deadline, be able yep. to have some discussions with that, and literally nothing surfaced. So it was <laughs> the ultimate letdown. And I'm very yeah. frustrated as a guy that likes to talk about fantasy sports and, and football in particular and literally nothing occurred except for nothing, right? Like all those mm-hmm. tweets about all the Jets guys getting moved never really happened. We didn't see A.J. Green to go to any contending team or anything like that. So you're right. When, when it's Kenyon Drake and Emmanuel Sanders, Mohamed Sanu, which occurred last week as the three big prominent moves, you know it was a pretty bummer of a trade deadline. Yeah, I mean, that was setting up in the Jets. I got to touch on this. I mean, what a train wreck they are in midseason. They're trying to bail on Le'Veon Bell, Robbie Anderson. They wanted, it sounded like the asking price, they just wanted too much for him. In fantasy, do we touch these guys the rest of the way here? Because it's money time. We got to have consistency now. The interesting thing is there's a variety of teams that are just absolute trade wrecks this year, right? The Dolphins really got ahead of everyone else. In the train wreck game, trading away Kenny Stills and Larry Tunsil right before the season started, and they continue on with that process with Nick Fitzpatrick, and we also again saw Kenny Drake get traded too, which makes sense. They weren't utilizing him at all, and they, they were ready to get out, so totally fine. But then you have the Bengals, who are, yeah. for whatever the reason, benching Andy Dalton when he's a fantasy relevant quarterback too, and the Redskins that continue to try to try out Case Keenum, not because they want to, but because Dwayne Haskins, their first round pick this year has looked so utterly bad that they can't really do anything else. So it's crazy. There's there's at least three or four of the teams that are worse than the Jets, and the Jets have just one win. So I don't know if we can stay away from those from any of those players like Robbie Anderson or Jamison Crowder or Le'Veon Bell because they're actually pretty relevant players when compared to the Dolphins. Like, oh, great, I get to use Mark Walton, said no one ever. Yeah. Or, okay, besides Terry McLaurin, are you really jacked about using Trey Quinn or Paul Richardson for the Redskins? No. So... By default, you kind of have to utilize some of these Jets guys despite how much of a train wreck, and they are, of a franchise it seems to be at the moment. Yeah, and I can tell you personally, the Bengals situation, you know, it was so bad this last couple of weeks. I have Joe Mixon. I had him as a keeper going into this year. Thought, well, maybe this new offense, good things are going to happen, build on last year, and I was so disappointed. I benched him this week, and he had his best production of the year. <laughs> yeah, the the best uh, best news for Bengals fans this season is that they're in a bye this week. Yes, so they don't have to watch them play whatsoever. Like this is this is the peak of the Cincinnati Bengals season right now. Is that they're in a bye. That's how bad we've gotten <laughs> for the the Cincinnati fans and Joe Mixon owners and Randy Dalton. I mean, uh, what a better birthday present than to get yeah. benched for a backup quarterback that probably has no plans of really being that good. And I know coaches, they don't care about us, about us fantasy guys. Dalton is putting up passing yards. He's, I mean, fantasy world-wise, you know, he's contributing, and, you know, he could be a weekly play for some people because he's going over 300 yards almost on a weekly basis here. Some of the touchdowns are there. I mean, it seems like they're throwing the ball more. I, I that That is puzzling to me. I guess they the new coach probably wants to look at the rookie quarterback, so that's a sign that – 
Andy Dalton could be out the door here this you know this coming off season. But it's just puzzling to me that they he, he this guy has not like he's throwing twenty interceptions this year so far. Yeah, I don't know if his contract is up this off season or if the dead money is gone so they could cut him without any penalty or whatever else. But you wouldn't make this move if you're planning on keeping Dalton as a, as a sit-standy franchise for, what, at any point next year, right? Yeah. I agree with you entirely that he's gone. I mean, this is this is out the door, walking papers for Andy Dalton, despite the fact that we're in the middle of the season. And he also said similar things, too. All the, all the, the good guy quotes, like, I'm just going to try to get Ryan Finley all trained up and ready to go and whatever else. But he knew what this meant as well, and, and he was frustrated that it came three hours before the trade that might when maybe he could have gotten traded to uh, Chicago, which I, I felt was unlikely, but some people had uh, said, well, that would have been a great landing spot for Dalton. Or maybe other teams that could have used a quarterback. Because I think he's he's capable. He's not going to really do much in terms of winning like actual games through, but you're right. He's been a, a fantasy, not darling, that's not really the great the yeah. correct word, but with Ben Roethlisberger and Drew Brees and uh, Nick Foles out for extended period of time, these are like top 10, top 15 fantasy quarterbacks that have been out for most of the season, and by default, Dalton has kind of slipped in there at the end with all the junk time production they get because the Bengals are just so bad that he's kind of a relevant name. And this is, it's bigger, that was the biggest news. When Andy Dalton getting benched was the biggest news on trade deadline, that's how you know <laughs> the trade deadline was bad. Again, talking to Joe Bartle, rotowire.com, as we continue to move on uh, here. Well, that Packers-Chiefs game, I mean, for fantasy-wise, that was pretty awesome to see. And we're getting a little more into Matt LaFleur's offense. You know, he did this a little bit last year in Tennessee where Deion Lewis and Derrick Henry, he mixed them in a little bit. Now we're seeing that a little bit more, especially in the passing game with uh, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. And uh, that was a positive thing to see on Sunday night. Yeah, this is the great thing about Matt LaFleur as opposed to Mike McCarthy. If all the same injury concerns happened with Mike McCarthy last year or even the year before, and I can say this as a – diehard, diehard Packers fan, having watched through the entire Mike McCarthy era on the edge of my seat, there would have been no changes or getting Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams involved as receivers. It would have just been a couple more punts, letting Aaron Rodgers run around and throwing complete passes, and that was it. And they would have lost games that they had on Sunday night or even a uh, week before against the Raiders where that was a pretty gamey offense that did pretty well and took a Derek Carr fumble at half and kind of changed the momentum around. But this year, we're seeing some creativity from the offense. What I've really, really loved is seeing them stretch the field horizontally in the goal line situations. Right before, it was just jump balls to Jimmy Graham or Devontae Adams or Jordy Nelson or let Aaron Rodgers make magic. And he could because he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. But now we're seeing like jet sweeps going the left and right side with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams in the same play on near the goal line. And it was like, oh, which way is he going to go? Well, this guy's motioning this way. And then I think it was Jamal Williams blocked Aaron Jones in for the touchdown. And I love that kind of stuff. We saw Devontae Adams get a similar jet sweep sort of pass uh, in a red zone game on Thursday, or in the red zone on that Thursday night game against the Eagles, which they lost. And I, that, that just wasn't there when it comes to the Packers offense in years past. And it's fun to see them utilize their athletes. And I think Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, whether it was by default or it was a planned attack for Matt LaFleur and company, really have kind of unlocked a different level to this offense that I don't know a lot of us could have anticipated after watching the Bears in week one and other and like the Vikings in week two and three and whatever else. Like this is this is different and it's exciting and even when Devontae Adams comes back, I don't know if he's gonna be this week or next week, but it seems really soon. we're we're seeing a, a Packers offense that might might be one of the better ones in the NFL and I don't think I would have felt that way after the beginning of September games. 
And they have a West Coast home game this week because there's no yeah. doubt there's going to be at least, uh, I would say, at least twenty to 25,000 Packer fans in that soccer stadium against the Chargers. I mean, <laughs> you talk about uh, right. you know exactly. lining up I right mean, on the schedule. Yeah, the Steelers uh, and Chargers, I think it was a Sunday night game, and it was like 80% Steelers fans there. Yeah, I, I think the Steelers fans are amazing, and I was really surprised with how well the Eagles fans traveled to that Packers game on Thursday night a, a little while back. Mm-hmm. I would be stunned if the Packers aren't like 85, 90% filling up Carson Field yeah. for this game. Like it's going to be a home game. And I understand the West Coast travel makes a difference. It's the second time now that they've had a travel uh, in consecutive weeks against the Chiefs, obviously last week too. So that's going to make a difference, but it does feel good or it has to feel good when you're essentially playing home field on an away game like they will against the Chargers. And and frankly, I'm really excited to see this matchup overall. Of course, as a Packers fan, I think they're going to do pretty well. I'm, I'm pretty excited for what Devontae Adams, Marquez Willis, Scantling, those guys can do. But I do think the Chargers are going to be able to move the ball pretty well, too. And the bend-but-don't-break defense has worked to an extent so far for the Packers. They've been able to capitalize on turnovers. That was the big difference maker against the Chiefs last week with Deshaun McCoy's fumble. I think you're going to have some turnovers come from the Chargers, so not worry about the Packers losing. I do think Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, and Austin Eckler present different matchups that the Packers' defense really can't contain or manage. Maybe Kevin King can do okay against Mike Williams, but we saw how different of a factor speed was with Tyree Kill and Nicole Harbin and everyone else. I think the route-running capabilities and flexibility that the Chargers' offense can put on the Packers' defense is going to make it a very entertaining game for fantasy owners this week. And going back to that Sunday night game, I mean, the Chiefs and Matt Moore, I'm impressed how he keeps that move, that offense going. I mean, yeah, he's not Mahomes, but they were moving along pretty well and putting up some numbers in that game. And that was kind of impressive that Matt Moore, who just, we hear the story, was coaching high school, was a scout at the combine and all that. He's coming in and he's running that Chiefs offense pretty efficiently until Mahomes comes back. But it sounds like maybe next week. Yeah, I wasn't really all that surprised by what Matt more did against the Packers' defense. And make no mistake, I actually think Green Bay has a pretty good defense, or at least, relatively speaking, in, in past years, just how bad they have been. They have a pass rush. They can get turnovers. They have a secondary that's healthy for the most part. Like Those are all good qualities, but you knew, as a Packers fan, you knew the speed by Tyree Kill and Michael Harbin and even McCoy and Damian Williams and those guys was going to present problems. And, and just how, how really it felt like Mike Pettin refused to adapt throughout the game, and it was just going to be soft coverage the entire time. There was no beating over the top. It was never going to happen that game. But as a result, all those guys could get 8 to 10 yards uh, just easy-peasy like that. That that was going to be a concern for me. And I don't know if other teams would play a backup quarterback who was coaching a high school football team only three months ago the same way. So I was a little bit frustrated as Packers fan to see that. I'm curious. I'll be very curious to see what the Vikings do. And, of course, as division rivals, I've seen plenty of Vikings games down to this point. I do think that defense is going to present more problems for Matt Moore. But they do play at home, and I think that makes a big difference, being comfortable in the environment. And, of course, the primetime game with the Chiefs being the underdog, it just felt ripe for it to be a close contest throughout. And I I think I said even to a couple of buddies who I was watching the game with when the Packers were at 14-0, this game will come down to whoever gets the first turnover and lo and behold, that's exactly what happened in that contest with the Chiefs storming back and Rodgers and company kind of having to make a, a valiant effort to stick around only for McCoy to fumble. I don't think that same situation occurs to the Vikings, and I think that defense is going to be able to corral the speed the Chiefs have at you know every single corner, it feels like. In Fantasy Football Zone, Joe Bartle again joining us from rotowire.com. 
So I came upon this stats here from the league uh, that uh, Leonard Fournette leading the AFC, 791 rushing yards. DJ Shark leads the AFC with 660 receiving yards. My question is, because I said earlier, we need consistency this time of year because we are going down the stretch now. Money time is a couple weeks away, so we want to get in positioning. Can we still trust these numbers to be put up a couple weeks from now, especially with the situation in Jacksonville? We don't know if Minshew's still going to be there or not or if they're going to go back to Foles at that interesting situation so can we trust these two guys as we head down the stretch here yeah who knew jacksonville jaguars offense in the middle of the 2019-20 season is going to be one of the best fantasy offenses yeah. in the league right yeah and it's like oh wow well that nick Foles must have been great he's doing fantastic yeah. well actually no gardner Minshew is a relative relevant fantasy quarterback and we got joked in the tuesday podcast uh that we do that Gardner Minshew sounds more like a name that you would feel as a Stephen King novel protagonist yes. as opposed to an NFL starting it's... quarterback. But yet, here we are where Leonard Fournette is right up there in terms of yardage for the NFL and certainly catching the ball, too, for Jacksonville. And DJ Chark has emerged as the biggest breakout receiver this season. I know Cortland Sutton's getting to that uh, position as well, but it's it's not even a question, in my opinion, that Chark is easily the biggest surprise right now. And it's it's it's, it's cool to see. And, and you look at, like, Fournette's snap share numbers, Christian McCaffrey has 94% of the total snaps this season. Le'Veon Bell has 91% of the snaps. And then it's Leonard Fournette at 90%. There's no other player within 80% of those three, right? Like, so mm-hmm. Ezekiel is number four in terms of uh, target snap share at, 80, or at 79%. That's incredible. And as a result, he's probably one of the biggest gets that you can have in fantasy. And you're certainly not buying low on Leonard Fournette. But he hasn't really fallen into the end zone all that much. And you have to imagine with a guy playing as much as Leonard Fournette is, that he's going to get to the get going to be able to hit pay dirt at some point, and I think that's where we're going to really see the fantasy production start to pile on. So I love Leonard Fournette if you're looking for a stretch run trade uh, as a possible opportunity because you're not going to really get Christian McCaffrey for cheap. Certainly, he's the yeah. top fantasy ass by a mile, yeah. and Le'Veon Bell is on too inconsistent and incompetent of a team to really feel like you need to spend a lot of resources for. Leonard Fournette makes sense, regardless if Nick Foles come back or if Gardner Mitchell is still your quarterback. Leonard Fournette makes sense of the guy that you want to go out and get right now. And another guy, i got to bring him up, Cooper Cup. The production he's had, especially coming into this season, we I, I was kind of concerned about that three-headed monster wide receiver core they had there because with Cooks, he's always inconsistent. Of course, injuries as well. Woods, kind of same deal. Cooper Cup, he had the injury last year. So coming into this season, I was kind of a little cautious on him to see where he was, but, man, has he proved he is the number one receiver there. Yeah, uh, I wasn't even kind of out on Cooper Cup. I was entirely out on him. And yeah. I was mocking him and teasing what I thought was going to be a pretty minuscule performance. I mean, he was getting drafted in the fourth or fifth round, and I thought that was absurd for a guy that was coming off an ACL surgery, right? That yeah. his whole game is based off of quickness and route running, and he shouldn't even be this healthy to be able to do that. So it was, it was absurd to me that he was going that high, and of course I've been proven utterly wrong. He and Adam Thielen in the last three or four years been two of the biggest guys I've just gotten completely off. And it's crazy to think that of the three receivers, Cup isn't doing just better than Woods and Cook, but by a significant margin, he's outperforming them. And there's part inconsistencies with the Rams offense, in particular Jared Goff, but Todd Gurley's health is obviously a concern as well. I just wouldn't have imagined Cup would be playing to this extent. And it's crazy to think, I mean, he's not just a touchdown machine, despite the fact that he has five already this year. He's getting so many targets and so many receptions that he's going to blow past most people's projections for him that were even optimistic for Cooper Cup. And I think it's it's a testament to 
his relationship with Jared Goff, and then really a testament to the Rams' offense still being dynamic despite all the limitations I just listed. All right, so let's get into it. Week 9, we're staring right at it. Let's get into the matchups here. We'll break it down position by position. We'll uh, get into the running backs here. Uh, which two running backs are you liking here this week? Yeah, that's a pretty loaded question with four different bye weeks. The Saints, Falcons, uh, Bengals, of course. Not that we really care about the Bengals on bye week. but uh, And then we also have the Rams as well, who we were just talking about earlier. That's a, a pretty loaded group of position players, both at running back and receiver, that you're going to be missing. I, I'm a little bit interested to see what we're going to get out of a guy like Le'Veon Bell, as much as we hate to say what the Jets are doing, in a really situa- uh, situationally great matchup against the Dolphins this week. And we've seen how bad the defense has been overall. James Conner, of course, just got over, I think he was over 150 total yards, but he was close to that in rushing alone Monday night against the Dolphins. They've been just horrible in all facets, it feels like, but certainly on the de- defensive end. And I think if ever there was a time to make right for all those players you're offering on trades, this is the opportunity for Le'Veon Bell and the Robbie Andersons and the James, Cron- James and Crowder to do pretty pretty well. I'm also interested in Marlon Mack against the Steelers. Now, we're going to see what the health of T.Y. Hilton is here in a little bit, but I, I just don't believe in the Steelers overall. I just don't believe in their defense. And I think if T.Y. Hilton misses any time this week, we're going to see Marlon Mack become even more of a priority, whether he gets involved passing or rushing the ball. And it wouldn't be surprised to me at all if he ends up being more of a 150, 125-20-yard guy and gets a similar amount of target share that we've seen for the Fournettes and Le'Veon Bells that we just were talking about. And uh, wide receiver, which two guys you would like this week? Yeah, it's going to be a little bit more interesting. Of course, we're watching Cortland Sutton now with uh, Brandon Allen as the quarterback. Uh, we, we talked about Ryan Finley also filling in now for the Bengals too. So trying to predict those situations is going to be a little bit difficult for me. I do think Allen Robinson's going to have his week against the Eagles. The Eagles secondary we know has been banged up. They are getting healthier that doesn't mean they're fantastic. And I get it. Mitchell Trubisky is not very good at quarterback position. I love that as a Packers fan. As a fantasy analyst, it makes it a little bit harder to figure out what a guy like Allen Robinson, who is supremely talented, but just hamstrung by a really bad quarterback, can do. I still feel like he's got the capability and the matchup to go off. And I actually think uh, both Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay are going to do all right against Oakland secondary. That's been pretty bad. Of course, Marvin Jones had the four touchdowns two weeks ago. Kenny Galladay had two last week, and I think also two-point conversion or at least a, a decent half, hefty amount of points. You're going to see that passing attack have to work because Ty Johnson and J.D. McKissick and you know Trey Carson, the practice score running back for the Packers, turned starting running back for the Lions. Those guys aren't it. And I think to move the ball against the Raiders, which you can do, it's going to have to be through the air. So I like Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay as well. And to get back to the Trubisky point, uh, I, I know you don't go from year to year, but, I mean, he did throw six touchdowns in a game last year against a terrible Tampa defense, but he has some potential somewhere. It's just not showing this year. Yeah, the thing with Trubisky that everyone was that everyone liked was that he could run the ball, and that he was a, a pretty good scrambling quarterback. And they've taken that way, either by the injury or just out of protection for Trubisky. That really hasn't been a part of his game. And, frankly, the reason the Bears were in that uh, the, the reason the Bears were had a chance to win that game last Sunday against Los Angeles was because of Trubisky's legs. Like he scrambled out of the pocket, ran up and got 12 yards, and then they kneeled it right after that. Like that was the play right before that set the missed field goal attempt. I, I wonder again with the, the left shoulder strain or whatever else that's going on with Trubisky if they really want him to run. But it's clearly one of the best aspects of his game. I can't quite understand when they've taken it away. 
Either either way, though, I, I do feel like it's going to be a pretty good opportunity for the Bears' passing attack, and even David Montgomery, too. I think to some extent it's going to do all right if the Bears can move the ball. He'll find his way in the end zone. I think they've kind of they've finally stumbled onto what they might have with David Montgomery. So, if you're playing the streaming game or daily fantasy, uh, what quarterback do you like this week? Yeah, that's <laughs> it's, it's interesting. I, yeah, I take a deep breath because okay, do you want to go down to Derek Carr? We have him currently uh, ranked number five. Yeah. That's, that's pretty aggressive against the Lions team that I think is pretty good, but he's looked really, really darn good these last two weeks against the Packers and, of course, against the Texans as well. I think there's opportunity uh, for him to be a bit of a sneaky underdog matchup and, and do all right passing-wise. Gardner Minshew, too, against that Texans secondary, I think can be close to a top-10 fantasy quarterback. And then there's always Josh Allen with how bad the teams they've been playing against have been. Again, Redskins this week, Eagles last week. Uh, he has an opportunity as well to do pretty well. So I like John Brown and Josh Allen, and the same goes for Gardner Minshew and DJ Chark. Like if you're going to stack guys in terms of DFS production, either one of those feels pretty good and has a good bang for your buck. I have no idea who you would stack with their car besides Tyrell Williams, but whatever yeah. the reason, they, they still seem to get production out of those guys that really you can't name other than Darren Waller and, and Tyrell Williams. Well, the thing, though, that proves the point with Carr is, I mean, according to the pace records that the league puts out, he is on pace to be up there for the all-time record for completion percentage. I mean, he's his completing passes, which will help you win fantasy. Yep, and the dink and dunk thing also works offensively, too. Like, you just take what the defense gives you. Take what the defense gives you, and then, oh, wow, you've already found your way near for a field goal, or you get in the red zone, and then it's Josh Jacobs finding his way, or Darren Waller making a play, and We've, we've seen with Tyrell Williams with a touchdown every single week he's been eligible that once they get down to that spot, they have the guys, the playmakers, to get touchdowns. And that's all it takes when you're completing so many passes. You don't have to throw deep passes if you can still convert pretty effectively in the red zone. Which tight ends do you like this week, Joe? Well, I liked Jonu Smith to a point, and I, I was not at all anticipating him going off with Delaney Walker out. But yet he has, I think, five catches, 75-plus yards, and a touchdown. Like that's fantastic production, and if Delaney Walker's out again, I understand the Panthers have been okay, but he's still going to be good enough where you can you can really reasonably throw him out there as a top ten fantasy tight end. With how bad the position is, and you're missing the Austin Hoopers, uh, and not that you're playing Jared Cook, but I guess you're missing him a little bit too. And Gerald Everett, who's also been a bit of a fantasy relevant guy uh, through nine weeks, I think Mark Andrews is enough for again Patriots defense for how great they have been. You can still pass the ball a little bit. They haven't really faced a tight end. And offense with Lamar Jackson, Marquise Brown, all at speed, like like that in any one of their previous opponents. So Mark Andrews is okay for me. If I'm going to dig down a little bit to the bottom of the barrel, Cameron Brait could end up doing, I think he had six targets last week. Mm-hmm. O.J. Howard was out. And if O.J. Howard misses time again, really if I'm looking for those bottom of the barrel tight ends, just people that are catching the ball, have opportunities, is all you really need to have. That's exactly why Darren Fells has kind of jumped into relevance. He's got a couple touchdowns and I think over two touchdowns in two of the last four games. Like That's great. That's fantastic. And I think Cameron Bright has the potential against the Seahawks as well. And we're on to defenses. And do we just pick uh, the Jets and the Dolphins, hope for a tie or 0-0? I mean, <laughs> I mean if you, if you low... really want to claw your eyes out, you can yes. go that direction. But I, I think there's probably even better matchups overall. Like the Browns are going against Brandon Allen and the Broncos, who trade away Emmanuel Sanders. They officially have, what, one, two and a half total good players on offense. Cortland Sutton, Phil Lindsay, and Royce Freeman, they, they combined for two and a half. Like It's entirely possible. And with a rookie quarterback behind a not-so-great offensive line, 
you know they're going to not take many opportunities to move the ball or you know throw it deeper and like that, which Joe Flacco might do. I feel pretty good that the Browns are your, your top option and probably available in most places. If anything, they're going to give you a bit of a sack floor uh, with Miles Garrett and company pass rushing Brandon Allen. I feel pretty confident they're going to do all right. The other other defense, that's obviously, of course, the Patriots, 49ers, those guys are all great. When we talk about Mitchell Trubisky, I do think Al Robinson will do fine. But if they don't, you can always double down and go with the Eagles defense, knowing they have a pretty stout run defense that can get turnovers too. That's probably like a top five, top ten option for me. I think Jerry Denabedian had uh, the Eagles ranked number one or two on his list, and I wouldn't go that aggressively over the Browns, but they're certainly in consideration for a good streaming option. And once again, Joe Bartle joining us, rotowire.com. Give us the details again. Your great podcast. You do it uh, every week, Monday through Friday, right? Yeah, we, we have rotowire podcasts going every every day throughout the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. I do the Tuesday one with my co-host, Jake Kotarski. Uh, I always tweet out my fan, uh, my uh, handle, JB Fantasy Sports. Um, otherwise, I'm doing a lot of other radio hits across the country, uh, talking some fantasy knowledge with people. And every once in a while, I'll tweet about the Packers, too, uh, if they get on my nerves. I never tweet good things, it feels like. It's only negative things. So if you want a guy that you want to get frustrated with, I'm a pretty good account to follow in that regard. Well, Joe, again, thank you very much for your time this week. Best of luck this weekend. All right, thanks for having me on. And that'll wrap up this edition of the Fantasy Football Zone podcast. Again, thank you so much for taking some time out and joining us this week. Hopefully we can help you out, set your lineup this week. Best of luck as well coming up here, and we'll join you again next week here. Fantasy Football Zone. Subscribe to the Fantasy Football Zone and give us a five-star rating while you're at it. Follow us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Football Zone podcast.